Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's Sunday Take. I'm Blois Solson for June 5th, 2022. About five months away from the general election. And election season is in full swing. Filings closed this past week. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk to two people. Very different sides of each party. Aaron Murphy, senator, leading the campaign efforts for Democrats in the Minnesota Senate. And Doug Wardlow, who changed his mind and decided to run in a primary against the Republican-endorsed candidate. Both of them coming up. On Sunday Take, on News Talk 830, WCCO. You know, each week we pull this show together, we talk to people, we try to look ahead. I think it's always important to preview what's coming. And I would say that that pivot happened this week in Minnesota politics and Minnesota um, policy. Because uh, on Tuesday, the filings closed for the election, state and federal candidates. We saw a few different phenomenon. First, I think the one significant development is that my former colleague, Corey Heppola, didn't file to run for governor. After all the hype and all the hoopla and a few thousand viewers on TikTok, it became clear that Heppola didn't get traction. And having watched governor's races for 30 years in this state, I can tell you that this is the year a third-party candidate could have broken through. I don't think or know that Heppler was that candidate, but Heppler, it seems, couldn't even make the ballot. He would have needed 2,000 signatures. That's just a couple days outside of Twins game or a couple days outside Timberwolves game or Wild or some just good grassroots work. Hugh McTavish of the Independence Party, he did make the ballot. The Independence Party did get 2,000 signatures to put their candidate on the ballot. And we'll have legalized marijuana candidates and other candidates on the ballot, both statewide and throughout the legislature. We also learned that 58% of legislators, or I'm sorry, we'll have at least 58 new legislators in the House and the Senate. Now, some are moving for the House to the Senate or trying to, but overall, it's just 
clear that Minnesota's political season, as we look ahead, is going to look different. It's going to be more polarized. The issues are different. And the issues haven't even been synthesized yet. But what I can tell you is that the state isn't yet quite tuned in to the election. Summer's here. The weather's nice. They want to be outside. They want to barbecue. They want to go to the cabin. They want to not necessarily even talk to each other. Saw another number this year that in one industry, 82% of their customers don't want to talk to them in person. They'd rather email, text, or chat bot. Yes, the pandemic's changed a lot of things. And one of the things that's changed is the polarizing politics and the issues that we have. So it's okay to check out. It's okay to not get fired up about the issues. It's Sunday morning. Grab a cup of coffee. Listen. React. And if you like what you hear, tell us. If you don't like what you hear, tell me too. Because this show is about Minnesota. It's about Minnesota politics, and it's about the people who play in it. And the mood of Minnesota isn't set by them. The mood of Minnesota is set by the voters and the listeners. I'm Blaise Olson. When we come back, Senator Aaron Murphy on DFL chances this year and whether or not a special session is really needed. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're back on Sunday Take, and joining me is Senator Erin Murphy. She's a veteran legislator and leader within the DFL. Uh, four years ago, she was the DFL-endorsed candidate for governor. So gubernatorial races and statewide issues are not uh, new to her. And I appreciate her joining me today to talk about special session and kind of preview the campaign ahead. Senator, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Blois Olson. Well, as you are hearing from people about the opportunity for a special session, the need for a special session. Where do you think it stands on whether or not there will be or should be a special session uh, going forward? We should have a special session. Uh, We should finish the work uh, that was nearly complete uh, and we should do it for the people of Minnesota. Uh, My inbox is pretty full uh, with emails from people in the district I represent and from other places in the state making the case for why. And it is deeply frustrating that those last days, and especially the very last day of session, felt like a slow roll out uh, with no energy, no tension, and no real commitment on the part of the majority 
to finish the work that we started to do for the people of Minnesota. You know, Lois, you know this about me. I grew up in a working class family. My dad, you know, punched a clock and went to work at a GM plant. And my mom punched a clock and worked at a canning factory. And I punched a clock in a hospital, in a nursing home, in a restaurant, in a grocery store. You go to work to do your job. And each one of us, 201 of us who, you know, worked to get ourselves elected, um, said we were going to do the work for the people of Minnesota. We all punched the clock. And to sit quietly and not do the work of the people of Minnesota is wrong. Um, so yes, we should have a special session. I'm really worried we won't. Uh, there is a budget in place. And so as we say, there isn't any compelling reason to bring everybody back to the table. I continue to hear uh, from my colleagues in the Republican majority in the Senate that they are walking away from the agreement that they made, which is something that is a new, uh, a new experience for me. Uh, you you make a deal, you sign your name to the paper, you shake hands with with the people with whom you're negotiating and you follow through. And this is not the first time that the Republicans and Jeremy Miller have walked away from a deal. So I'm, I'm frustrated about that. Uh, and I hope that uh, Minnesotans uh, sharing their voices and telling us why it's important for us to go back to work to do the job. Uh, I hope everybody listens to that, including my Senate colleagues uh, in the majority. You've been in legislative leadership. You were a majority leader in the House. One of the things that I think outside observers, people outside the bubble don't necessarily understand as much is internal caucus dynamics, whether it's within your own DFL caucus or within the Senate Republican caucus. Um, Can you just talk without kind of, you know, unveiling uh, personalities or secrets? what the um, what the tensions are like in a caucus when there's members maybe in Miller's uh, caucus that don't want to come back, or there's members in your caucus that say, you know, we're not going. You know, there's not enough spending in that bill. That that when leaders come back with a deal, that it's they got to kind of sell it to their caucus, or they have to be trusted by their caucus. Can you talk a little bit about those dynamics and? the push-pull intentions there? Yeah, Uh, it's such a great question. Uh, And I I always like to begin by rooting myself in the fact that we live in a a democracy with multiple views, right? We we represent a plurality of views, and that's true in all of the caucuses. It's been the case when I served in the House. It's the case now where I serve in the Senate. Uh, As a leader, you have to know where you're going, you really do have to imagine what the ending is going to be like and build support for that. And, and then, you know, when you go into the negotiations, you go in prepared knowing where your caucus actually rests and where the support will be. Okay. And caucus members, you know, and, and it is the case in almost every session ending that I've been a part of that things that people have worked very hard for that they care deeply about Uh, get left behind, important provisions. Um, But as we say, uh, our job is to finish the work for the people of Minnesota. And there's a boundary at which you can't cross anymore. And you have to say, okay, um, we're running out of time. We have to get the job done for the people of Minnesota. And that's really about will, the will to finish. And I learned as the majority leader that if you, you come into the work with the will to finish it, you will figure it out. You will get it done. 
Um, and and that, I think, forestalls the, the gamesmanship that we're seeing play out right now where people are saying, well, I didn't get what I wanted, so I'm just going to walk away. Um, we're walking away from Minnesotans and from their future. Um, and we just we shouldn't do that. Minnesotans have been through enough um, in these last two years. Uh, we should be doing their work. So talking about the work and, and what are, is it the final deal or are there certain things that now just, you know, kind of have a higher priority to get done now because either the need is immediate uh, or, um, you know, there's federal money there. And, and I'm going to highlight nursing homes. You're a nurse, you understand long-term care. That seemed to be a Republican priority in the Senate. Um, and then yet, you know, the house and the governor didn't make it as much of a priority or didn't put as much money into, to nursing homes, but that doesn't seem to be a partisan issue. So how does a budget issue that's not necessarily partisan get worked out in that dynamic? You know, when the the house and the Senate, uh, do their work independent of one another, People always have an eye on what's happening in the other body um, to line up a negotiation. Yep. Um, and I, I was not a part of the conference committee on health and human services. I was on the committee that um, put together the bill that okay. did fund uh, additional funding for nursing homes and for group homes. Uh, and I anticipated when that was negotiated that it would be resolved. Okay. Um, there's a there's a person who lives in the district I represent named Matt McNeil, and he um, is one of the responsible people at a nursing home and assisted living facility okay. that I visited earlier this year. And he's pretty haunted by the experience that he and the staff at that facility went through. Right. He, he has zero patience for a game being played right now or what feels like a game to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't get this done, um, we are going to see nursing homes closing. We're going to see group homes closing uh, because there aren't enough staff um, to care for the people who need the care. If we don't get something done in education, we're going to see layoffs and bigger class sizes. If we don't get something done with that tax bill, um, we're going to see people uh, struggling without any extra help with increased prices of fuel and food and medicine. if we don't get done the bill on housing, we're going to see more people living without shelter. I mean, there were real life consequences uh, to not finishing the job for the people of Minnesota. If we don't do public safety, and I would add, uh, I would add extreme orders of protection and universal background checks to that proposal. We should finish that for the people of Minnesota. We know that they're concerned about the safety of their communities. And I would add that parents are going to grow increasingly, increasingly concerned about whether or not their kids are going to come home from school safely, um, given what we saw in Texas. Um, They're hard issues. They're real issues. But we signed up to do the work for the people of Minnesota. And that's why we're here. And we should do it. My guest is Senator Erin Murphy. She's a leader in the caucus uh, for the DFL in the Minnesota Senate. We're talking about the special session, but she's also leads as the chair of the election and campaign and recruiting candidates. You know, one of the things, and you know this from running for governor four years ago, and you talked about it then and how you traveled the state and the issues of the state are um, are similar but different. And the attitudes and the partisanship hasn't gotten less so. In fact, we're more polarized than ever. As you talk to candidates running in greater Minnesota, in the suburbs, in urban areas, how do you 
think about if you were to take the majority, how that next caucus would look and how you could get them aligned on big issues when the views of the state are are different depending on where you live. So we're going to see a lot of turnover in both the House and the Senate just because yes. of the number of retirements. So we're going to have new bodies. Um, and I'm, yep. I'm excited about that. Uh, I remember moving from a minority uh, caucus to a majority caucus with a fairly significant swing back in 2012 and into the 13 and 14 session. I think it's important to focus first on the things that unite us together. We all want strong public schools for our kids, uh, roads and bridges and transportation and transit that serve our purposes. We want jobs that support us, uh, wages that support us. Uh, There are some basic things uh, that I have found over and over across the state of Minnesota that people want for their communities. That's where we begin and that's where we focus. Uh, We are going to, I think, have a very, very interesting election where we're going to be talking about issues um, that we haven't necessarily talked about, like reproductive freedom, um, gun violence prevention, and democracy. And whether or not we will hold on to our democracy here in the state of Minnesota and in the United States, will we have the ability to set the course of our future through our elections? Uh, And I have been now back on the road, uh, talking first with candidates and now with Minnesotans. And people are pretty worried about the state of affairs, both here and across the country, um, as they see a Republican Party grow more and more extreme. And so I I do think this is going to be a pivotal, consequential election. I urge all of our candidates to be deeply rooted in their own communities and talk about the things that they believe in from their perspective Um, It is the best way to connect with people. And I'll tell you, I cannot wait to get back on the doors, something that we didn't get to do in the 2020 election, because it is the best way to get the pulse of Minnesotans is having those one by one by one conversations. Uh, And I know that our candidates are already doing it. As we wrap here with Senator Aaron Murphy, one question, You, you used a word that we don't hear that often. And I, I've started to use it with my own kids and (laughs) with neighbors, and that's the basics. (laughs) Let's focus on the basics. Uh, And then, you know, you listed listed kind of three issues, reproductive freedom, democracy, and gun violence as issues that haven't always been at the top of the discussion of politics the last few years. It's been, you know, the economy or healthcare, uh, you know, public safety. uh, And those will likely be, you know, depending on where you live and what your views are, you know, these I keep saying it's an election about feeling and how people are feeling about inflation or feeling about public safety. Um, Do you feel like, um, or have you reflected on as the DFL has, I'd say just the, the, the list of issues that activists, the, the caucus goers, the people who endorse has expanded. You feel like sometimes that even on the left, that things have gotten too complicated or, you know, the basics um, on curriculum, the basics on um, social issues get kind of distracting even within your own caucus, within the activist community, because you and I have known each other a long time. I always disclose when I've known people a long time. And I know you came from a town in Wisconsin and your dad punched the clock and worked in an auto factory. And, and, and we're of the same generation where we came from parents who said, as long as you have the basics, you know, just take care of the rest. 
does that does that complication play into the politics in these races, the politics of the caucus, or your concerns about Democrats' electability, like in the suburbs? So I think that whether we're talking about good schools for our kids mm-hmm. or the safety of our communities, um, whether we're talking about the fact that it's it's getting very expensive to fill up our car um, and we want to you know, travel north to the lake, uh, those are issues that we're all contending with, or most of us are contending with anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are the things that not only matter to Minnesotans right now, and so we need to address them. Um, and we need to address them in a way that isn't just about blaming somebody else, but really bring not just solutions here at the end of this last session, but yeah. here's what we plan to do. Um, I think that there's way more uh, boys there within our party um, than not. And I keep saying to my my fellow Democrats, whenever I get a chance, um, we have had long, you know, a long time merger of our party. We are the Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Um, it is the merger of two ideologies. Uh, and sometimes, especially when things are difficult, we start talking more about the center and the left than we are talking about the future of Minnesota. And I believe that it is our job as elected officials and those of us seeking public office to stand up and show Minnesotans that we're here for them, that we are going to, with a vengeance, fight for them and for their future. That's our job. There's enough room for all of us in the DFL party. There's enough room for all of us in Minnesota. That's the Minnesota I believe in. It's the one I am fighting for. And uh, I think that's why we're going to be successful in November. Sounds great. Thanks for joining me on Sunday Tech, Senator. Thanks for having me, boys. It's good to be together. When we come back, Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow will join me in, I think, his first interview since he decided to run in the primary against endorsed candidate Jim Schultz. We'll be back after these messages on Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. Final cup of coffee this Sunday morning is with Doug Wardlow. He's a Republican. He's running for Attorney General. He's running in a primary against the endorsed candidate. Uh, Jim Schultz. Uh, and he joins me now in what I think might be your first Minnesota interview since uh, you made the decision to run again. Yeah, it's one of, the, one of the earlier ones, that's for sure. Absolutely. Great to be on with you, boys. Doug, um, you know, you looked at me right after you lost the endorsement. I, I looked at you. We shook hands. I said, are you going to run in a primary? And you said no. So what, what changed? Yeah, that was my initial reaction. And then we talked, I think it was just right after the endorsement. Yep, it was right after. Finished up, right? Just right there. And so there was a little bit of the shock of, of, of what had happened. And then on, on further reflection and praying, thinking about it, talking to my family. And then what really made the difference is, you know, the hundreds of supporters that we have across Minnesota reaching out and urging me to continue the fight. That's what really made the difference. Uh, because those supporters, they, they, they all told me pretty much exactly the same thing. They recognize that our campaign is the only one that can defeat Keith Ellison. And that's what they want to do, defeat Keith Ellison and win back the attorney general's office for the cause of liberty, the rule of law and freedom. And Minnesota Republicans, they want a candidate. They want the ability to choose a candidate who is going to take bold action when we win the AG's office, uh, take bold action to save our state, to uh, you know, stand up against critical race theory, to secure our elections, stand up for parental rights and educations, education, and of course, uh, restore law and order. And I'm giving Minnesota Republicans that option. So you did not defeat Keith Ellison four years ago. What makes you think that you're the candidate to do it this time 
when delegates thought Jim Schultz might be that candidate, because that was one of the one of the themes of of the convention was who's the best person to beat Keith Ellison. And I've written and I've said uh, since then that 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 seems to be the, the attorney general's race amongst all races in the state seems to be one of the most motivating for Republicans this year. So how do you look? What did you learn from four years ago? How does it change? Absolutely. So four years ago, we came closer than any Republicans come in, in 50 years uh, to winning the office of attorney general. And in 2018, that was a very difficult year for the Republican Party. Uh, we lost dozens of seats in the state legislature nationwide. It, it was a disastrous year for the Republican Party. Uh, and, and nonetheless, we came within about three and a half percent of victory. And I got more votes that year than any Republican has ever received uh, in the history of the state in a midterm election. And that's for any office. So we built a strong base of support across the state. And, you know, you got you to gotta consider if you haven't held an office uh, for over 50 years, since 1970, 1966 to 70 was the last time Republicans held the AG's office, uh, then you're going to have to put a lot of effort into to winning that office back. Right. And uh, we did that. We did that in the 2018 cycle and we came so very close. Now the political winds have shifted. They are in our favor. We have a better environment and we have name recognition built up across the state. Uh, we've got a great campaign team. We've got donors lined up. We've got an army of volunteers, an army of small donors, over 4,000 small donors across the state of Minnesota and even uh, nationwide because this race has national significance. And uh, they are ready uh, to help us uh, deliver a victory for Minnesota Republicans. So that's what has changed. And, you know, you never give up, never give up. And it took John Klein uh, three tries to win his congressional seat. Jim Hagedorn, same thing. It took him three tries. Sometimes you just have to build up that base and keep on going. And that is the difference. Uh, Keith Ellison is not an easy opponent, right? We can't, we should never underestimate our opponents. I'm not underestimating my opponent. I know that he's a tough opponent, but we are going to defeat Keith Ellison because we have the support of the people and we have a strong winning message. Uh, You know, we're going to restore law and order to Minnesota and restore election integrity, stand up for our constitutional rights and simply take the politics out of the AG's office. So, you know, over the last two years, um, one of the issues, and you bring up election integrity, is, you know, in Minnesota, let's, let's carve away the national narrative. In Minnesota, Minnesotans have largely trusted our elections. We've had record turnout, even in most, mostly Republican-leaning areas. Mail-in ballots have been the norm for more than two or three cycles because of convenience or absentee balloting. Uh, you've been closely affiliated. You work with Mike Lindell. He stood at the Republican convention and said, no machines, only paper ballots in elections. Do you agree with that? And then second follow-up is, if you do or don't disagree with it, how do you work on election integrity as the attorney general in the state of Minnesota? Absolutely. Well, we have a huge problem in Minnesota with voter fraud and with ballot fraud and with election crime. Uh, the fact that we've had high turnout uh, for so many years doesn't indicate anything other than they, well, that actually suggests that we may have a problem with with voter fraud and, and too many ballots being counted that are not actually legitimate ballots, right? And and our election controls in the law in Minnesota are terrible. And there are, there's all sorts of uh, uh, indications of voter fraud in our state. And we have had you know stories about the Norm Coleman uh, Al Franken race right. found in various places. So this there's a long tradition in Minnesota, unfortunately, of voter fraud, of ballot fraud. 
and of election crime. I agree with Mike Lindell 100% on this. We must return to a more secure election system, get rid of machines, go back to paper ballots, and we need to secure our elections. There are a number of uh, legislative reforms that need to take place to help us do that. Because And it's important to do this because even if there was no voter fraud, you would still want to make sure you have a system in place and that is enforced uh, so that everyone can have 100% confidence that there is no possibility of voter fraud. You can't even have the appearance of voter fraud or tampering with our elections, because if you have the appearance or possibility of voter fraud and people lose confidence in elections, that undermines our representative republic itself. And we, and we simply can't have that. It undermines the rule of law because people start wondering, well, the people in power, are they legitimately there? The laws that have, they have passed and they're enforcing, are they legitimate? Because you know, if the elections are not accurate, if the elections aren't going according to, to the law, then uh, maybe they aren't. And that's, and that's we need to eliminate even the possibility of that question. And that's why it's important that we restore law, uh, restore law and order, and that includes enforcing our election laws. So, as Attorney General, uh, this is a big, a big deal because the Office of Attorney General is all about enforcing the law. Take the politics out of the office and simply enforce the law. Well, it's a crime. It's a felony in Minnesota to commit voter fraud. There are several different kinds of voter fraud. <clears throat> and so we need to enforce those laws. Keith Ellison has not been enforcing those laws. He's been doing yeah. nothing about it. He's been looking the other way. So what I will do as attorney general is I will investigate and then work with county attorneys to prosecute voter fraud, to prosecute election crime. And we will be generating a lot of evidence in those pro- investigations and prosecutions. And we can highlight uh, cases as we prosecute folks who are trying to are planning to rig elections or actually rigging elections or tampering with our elections. Uh, once we put a few people in prison for rigging elections, that will change behaviors that will help us secure our elections. Yep. And that will also help the legislature then uh, pass important election law reforms. OK, my guest is Doug Wardlow here on Sunday Take. We're talking about his decision to run in a primary, uh, his affiliation and uh, discussion about election integrity. So you said you believe with Mike Lindell 100 percent on election integrity. Um, he has also he's made some pretty bold claims that haven't come true, like that. President Trump would be reinstated as president, things like that. What do you disagree with Mike Lindell on? Well, I'm sure there are things I disagree with Mike Lindell on. We're, we're different people, right? But overall, Mike Lindell is a fantastic guy, and I agree with the vast majority of what he says. Okay. And I agree with the, the, the fundamental principle that he is fighting for, that we need to have secure elections in our country and in Minnesota. If we don't have that, then our representative republic yeah. falls apart. And it's important that people understand our elections are secure. And that's why it's so important. You know, the, the Cyber Security and Infrastructure Agency just a few days ago put out an advisory to state election uh, officials stating that and warning them that uh, there are security vulnerabilities in software uh, of certain voting machine manufacturers. And uh, that's very significant. And people should take note. That's a federal government agency sending an alert out on that. So there are serious questions about voting machines, but there are serious questions about all sorts of different kinds of fraud. Uh, the 2000 Mules movie, there is evidence of, of ballot harvesting beyond the, the limits uh, allowed by law. We need to take a look at all of these things, investigate them carefully, prosecute where necessary. And I will do that, prosecute aggressively. And we're going to you know, just restore law and order. And that goes for all kinds of crime, right? We need to make sure that crime in Minnesota has consequences once again. Are you going to seek and would you accept President Trump's endorsement for uh, attorney general? I would absolutely accept uh, President Trump's endorsement for attorney general. President Trump uh, has pointed the way for our country to get back to his founding principles. And I'm a big fan of President Trump. And I look forward to uh, working with him as we go forward here, hopefully. And I absolutely would accept his endorsement and and embrace it. Are you seeking it? Uh, We are actively seeking it. And uh, absolutely. Got it. Uh, as we wrap up here, Doug, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think, you know, 
we're in kind of primary season. We've just come out of the convention. Um, you're going to have a primary. Uh, if you're successful, you'll go to the general. On the left, uh, DFLers, they have a couple primaries, none statewide, but things like that. There's a, there's a group in the middle. I call them kind of the normal Minnesotans. They don't go to conventions. They don't go to caucuses. They just want to raise their family. They might be, you know, liberal. They might be independent. They might be conservative. When they see the polarization and, and they hear from people who, you know, are polarized, you know, President Trump didn't win Minnesota. That doesn't mean that, you know, some of his ideas don't resonate with people who didn't vote for him, et cetera. How do you think Minnesota either can bring two sides together or how independents who are turned off by polarization can be reassured that it won't be more polarized uh, if you're successful or, or you know, uh, the Republicans are more successful in Minnesota this year? Absolutely. That's a, that's a great question because, you know, my campaign is all about uh, removing the politics from the Office of Attorney General. And I think that's a proposition that all Minnesotans can and should agree uh, upon because you know, enforcing the law shouldn't be political. So we're simply going to take a look at the law and enforce it evenly across the board. Our campaign is about standing up for Main Street values against Wall Street. It's about standing up for the people against the elites. And that's what this campaign is all about. And we're going to make sure that the law is enforced and that the laws passed by the people's representatives are enforced. So we give effect to the democracy that we have, the, the representative republic that we have in our state at the state level. Uh, and, and that those are propositions that are universal and should be applauded by everyone. And then we're going to stand up for everyone's constitutional rights as well. And, and, and that's very important. And I think uh, the vast majority of Minnesotans want that. They want to have an attorney general who isn't overly political. Keith Ellison has been disastrous. He's politicized the office of attorney general immensely. He's waging a war against the police. You know, he's trampling on people's constitutional rights as the enforcer for Governor Walz's unconstitutional lockdown edicts in all sorts of other ways. Uh, people are tired of that in Minnesota. We're going to take the politics out of the office and simply get back to the business of enforcing the law, making sure that crime has consequences in our state, making Minnesota safe again, and standing up for our constitutional rights. Sounds good. Doug, thanks for joining me on Sunday Take. Thank you. When it's Sunday at 9, it's Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. If you want to follow during the week, go to fluence-newsletters.com, sign up for the Morning Take or any of our other tip sheets. If you're just catching the end of this show, you can go to WCCORadio.com and download the podcast. I'm Blois. Until next week, this has been Sunday Take. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.